0: Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Advantage podcast. I am Alicia M. Pennington, owner of Advantage, mama, business consultant, and your host. I started this podcast back in 2016 to bring awareness to business-related topics in athletic training. And now here we are, seven years later, on season four, discussing the transition from self-employment to business ownership. Let's dive in. Are you a self-motivated athletic trainer looking to take control of your work? Advantage is seeking relationships with athletic trainers who want autonomy, flexibility in their schedule, and who thrive in non-traditional contract opportunities. If this sounds like you, get in touch. Key learning objectives. Identify the formal steps to starting a business. Recognize the importance of having a why prior to starting a new venture distinguish between DBA and LLC as business entity types. We're going to be transitioning our conversation towards starting and building a business now. So if you're still in the idea phase or you're curious about whether you should start a business or not, go back to the previous episodes. If you're listening to this, basically you've decided that you're going to go beyond self-employed work and that just staying with that designation is no longer best for you based on what we've discussed in previous episodes. You see the benefits of business ownership. You have an idea that you feel like is viable and you're like, okay, Alicia, let's actually learn about how to do this. (laughs) Let's become a business owner together. (laughs) For purposes of this episode and moving forward, we will be referring to starting a business as taking the steps necessary to conduct oneself as a business, right? So everything that we're going to be talking about here is actually related to business ownership, to conducting yourself as a business owner. These are going to be the literal tasks, like the actual things that you have to do in order to make that transition from the self-employed work into the business ownership. So as the encyclopedia defines it, we're basically organizing the organization. (laughs) This includes generating the idea, researching its potential for success, and writing a business plan. Now, maybe you heard me read that and you're like, shaking your head thinking, okay, but that's basically what we've discussed in all of the previous episodes, which is more so how we define like a pre-business viability, right? So everything that we discussed in the last episode, in the ways that we prepare ourselves for actually taking those first steps to starting a business That is why the framework and approach that I take, that my husband and I take in our consulting business, it's so different than 90% of what you're going to find on the internet. Like everybody else, they want you to commit to the idea of starting a business before conducting market research or identifying how you'll even make money, which we just don't agree. (laughs) put plainly, we don't agree. So, you know, for for purposes of this, like starting a business, like these will be the steps that you take to formally create an entity. And you're notifying the city and the state that you're intending to do business. And taking these steps, they're going to have costs associated with them. And so for us, we don't even entertain the conversation of starting a business, of falling down this kind of rabbit hole, if you will, if the business idea that we have hasn't even been fully vetted yet. But most of the online industry, most of the advice that you'll see out there, they'll say, go start a business, go file an LLC. They don't even tell you about DBAs. They don't even really help you understand the benefits of even having an LLC. Then once you've done that, oh yeah, make sure that your business idea is viable and that you can actually make money off of it. No way. We flip the script on that one. <laughs> so yeah, each of these steps that we go through that I'm going to talk you through today, they're involved enough that like, you've got to, you've kind of got to have like some motivation to get through them. Like they're, I, I wouldn't say daunting, but they are things that you need to prioritize, that you need to take care of. It's going to be foreign language. It's going to be things that you haven't navigated before. You're going to be asked questions and introduced to different terms that you're not familiar with. And so walking yourself through that process, you kind of got to have some motivation to get through it. It would be really easy to just kind of set it down and not come back to it which is why (laughs) we make sure that you have a viable and vetted business idea before we even get to that point. Because that's the motivation that you'll need to ensure that you follow through on this stuff, right? Everything that we've talked about up to this point, if you're listening to this episode, you have some incentive to actually go through with this. And all of those factors, they play into the success that you will eventually have. Now, even if that just is for you to operate under an LLC as a per diem person, and you're not looking to, you know, grow and scale a, you know, massive business, that's fine. There still are going to be hoops that you have to jump through. And in order to really do that successfully, like I said, we want to make sure that we have some motivation, some incentive behind us. So transitioning out, one of the very first concepts that we teach in our course, so we have a course called the Startup Incubator, which is step-by-step instructions on how to start your business. So it's a lot of what I'm going to talk to you about today. And if you need more support in actually click-by-click instructions, we have that course available. But one of the very first concepts that we teach in this course is identifying your why. Now, this concept was made popular by Simon Sinek, who has gone on to author a number of different books. I, I would really recommend him as an author if you're interested in personal growth and development. His, game, his, his book, The Infinite Game, is, is really fantastic. But in our Startup Incubator course, we link to Simon Sinek's Golden Circle TED Talk. And in this TED talk, he basically discusses how people don't want to buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And he uses Apple as the example in here. And many of us are familiar with Apple's marketing techniques. But if you if you think back to some of the earlier days with Apple, they've always been really good to selling at selling to our emotions. They were some of the first ones that on commercials, they weren't just highlighting features. They were demonstrating benefits, right? So the ways that it actually impacts our life. And the TED Talk is super powerful. It's worth watching whether you want to start a business or not. And I'll have it linked in the show notes. But the reason why we bring this up is because when we're thinking about starting a business or honestly, just applying this to life in general, we all need a why that helps us persevere when things get hard. And this could be something really, really simple as why do you want to work out? Right? Like just a really simple idea. Or it could be super complex, like career and life decisions, like we're discussing here. Should you start a business? Should you not start a business? I mean, this is a this is kind of a career and a life decision here. And so whenever we endeavor down something because the way that life is built, like we're we're going to face hardships at some point. Inevitably, challenges are going to show up. And when they do, it is our why. It is our purpose for starting. It is our purpose for being there. It is our purpose for endeavoring down this that allows us to remain steadfast in our efforts. And so before we ever start talking to somebody about, this is how you start a business and click through to this website and, you know, all of those kinds of things, the first thing that we have to establish is what is your why? Why? why do you want to pursue this many of us get into this profession of athletic training with a very altruistic why which is we want to help people maybe we ourselves were athletes previously maybe we're just empathetic people that really do see the the benefit of the services that we provide and We want to help people feel better, to live better, to have a more fulfilling athletic career, whatever athletic means for that person. But being an empath is an emotionally draining experience. That's an emotionally draining life that we live. And so we need to further identify like a deeper reason to why we stay or why we apply ourselves in specific situations, right? So it's not just enough when we're you know, thinking about starting a business, like it's not just enough to say, well, I, I wanna have more protection. I wanna make more money. I promise you neither one of those things is going to endure. When things get difficult, when you get challenged, when you go to look for the business name that you want and it's not available, as soon as you hit that first wall you're going to feel defeated if we do not have a why that is deeply rooted enough. So when you think about it, like, why are you in the specific job that you're in? Maybe it pays really well, and that allows you to lower your student debt. Or maybe it's in a location that's close to family, and that allows you to be present at more events and to have more of the balance that we all seek. Perhaps it's in a setting that you've always dreamt of and it is fulfilling a career goal for you. Whatever it is, when things get hard and at a certain point, they will always get hard, you remind yourself of what it is that that situation, that that opportunity is providing for you and that is what keeps you rooted in in continuing to keep going that's why you're there right like you remind yourself i'm getting paid enough money to lower my student debt and this is a season for me i am committed to whatever it is whatever hardship presents itself the time off that didn't get approved the difficult coworker the you know, the number of different situations that can present themselves. Maybe it's because you're in a location that allows you to be closer to home, but you don't love the hours that you work. But you're reminding yourself, I still do get to have the time off to see my little cousins in the morning or to hang out with my big sister, you know, on the weekends, whatever it is. We have to be mindful constantly of what is that why. And it's not to say that, this will always serve that purpose, right? Because things things change. Like maybe it's great to get paid this kind of money because you can pay your student debt, but at a certain point, the student debt isn't worth it anymore, right? There's other things that come up in your life that need to be prioritized over student debt. And so you're willing to take a less paying job. Maybe You entered into this setting because it was something that you had dreamt about for your entire career. You've been in it for a few years, and you're fine. You're done. Okay, I've done it. I don't need to keep doing it. I'm I'm ready to move on. Our why it can change, and it's something that it often serves its purpose, and then we can move on from it. Right. So, when you're entering into this idea of starting a business, we need to have this same mindset, right? Whenever we go into something new, and I would challenge you, you know, whether it's you're starting a New Year's resolution, you're anytime you're endeavoring down something new, even if it's, you know, a new book that you're picking up to read, or a new workout that you're trying, or a new habit in your lifestyle that you want to introduce, what is your why behind that? Right, So when you're picking up a new book to me, for me, nonfiction is, I'm sorry, fiction is a way for me to escape. It's an opportunity for me to get lost in characters and stories and settings that isn't the same as television. And so whenever I feel myself like longing to sit down with my Kindle, my my purpose behind that is like, I just, I just want to get lost in a fairy tale story in another world in something else. And I just, I want to be there for a little bit, right? And and that's okay. And so, well, I'm hopeful that, you know, a lot more of this type of purpose-driven work is being taught in athletic training programs, or you're being exposed to it throughout your career. It's not necessarily presented to us in its application to venturing out on into our own, into our own business. And, you know, just as I say that one of our, one of our own Kent games, he has another podcast on this network called reframe the game. And he's doing tremendous work in that vein of finding purpose, finding our why being purpose-driven workers. So if you're interested in that topic and you want to explore more of it, definitely go and listen to Reframe the Game. Kent Games is a professor at Indiana State University. I know a lot of the graduates who come out of there. They've done a lot of this kind of internal work. But as I said, when we're thinking about going into business ownership, this isn't typically something that is introduced to us. And so as I've addressed in previous episodes, like I've said, like there's no formal education provided on how to start a business. Like we're so beyond that at this point. The idea that any of these topics would have been maybe even remotely introduced to you during your education program. Maybe someone like me came in and did an interview with you in your last semester. And so you had a splice of an introduction to this, but we're so far beyond, you know, the clinical realms of athletic training and the formal aspects of how to venture out on your own that, you know, continuing education like this, it's why I wanted to make this podcast series is because, you know, there's plenty of athletic trainers who are successfully running their own businesses. There's, I mean, dozens of examples that I can come up with just right off the top of my mind. But there are very few who are in a position to mentor others, and to provide consultation on how to run someone else's business successfully. And there is a distinction there, right? So the same way that you can be a really strong clinician, but maybe you don't know how to teach someone else how to be a strong clinician, right? It's the reason why not all of us are teachers. <laughs> there, There's a lot of content that we may know personally and that we've been able to make successful for ourselves or in our own careers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are pedagogically invested in in making sure that someone else understands how to apply that in their own life and career, right? So for that reason, we need continuing education like this to allow those entrepreneurial-minded athletic trainers to be motivated to stay in the profession while finding a career path that allows for their passions to flourish. I've said it again and again that I'm just so hopeful that myself and other people that are venturing down the entrepreneurial path that we we present ourselves as options, as leaders, as examples of what is possible, how you can maintain your credential, how you can remain active in the profession, while also not giving up on the things that you feel so passionate about, which... Every single time I talk to an entrepreneurial athletic trainer, that's what they say. They say, I never thought that this was possible. I never realized that I could take my ideas of being a business owner, of being self-employed, of you know starting and doing my own little thing and finding the balance in this profession. It is becoming more mainstream. And I think anybody listening to this, you will have way more examples than I did when I started our staffing company 11 years ago back in 2012. So my hopes here is that you know this would lead to lower attrition rates and a greater number of athletic trainers staying in the profession because that's what it has allowed for me. My husband and I started a consulting firm for aspiring and established business owners who are looking to start, scale, or shift their businesses. We've worked with everyone from independent athletic trainers to multi-million dollar corporations. We've translated our foundational principles across 35 plus industries and would love to support you as well. Head to penningtonperspective.com for more info or feel free to just DM me directly on IG at it's Alicia MP. That's I T S A L I S H A M P. See you there. Okay, let's dig into it. Let's start to break down the components of how we actually start a business. I'm going to kind of walk you through step by step here. So. The first thing that you'll need to do is determine which entity type that you want to pursue, okay? So there are two primary options to consider. There are other ones that are out there. I mentioned them in previous episodes, but the two primary ones that I'm going to cover today are a DBA, doing business as, or an LLC, a limited liability company. Those are the two primary ones available to you. If you feel like neither one of those is a good option, I would encourage you either DM me directly or talk to a professional in this area, but more than 90% of people can start businesses with one of these two entity types. So DBA stands for Doing Business As. It is also known as a trade name or a fictitious business name which basically just means that you're indicating that the business is conducted and presented under a name other than the legal name of the person or persons who own it and who are responsible for it. So I'll break that down in a second. But basically, this is helpful in distinguishing you from the work that you do. So if you've decided based on previous episodes that you don't want to go the LLC route, you don't need that separation of risk and liability and the costs and you know management associated with starting a limited liability company. You can still operate as a DBA where you're essentially informing the state and the city that you work in that you're going to be conducting yourself as a business under a different name. So for example, let's say Dale Daly is going to conduct business. So do business as uncommon sense consulting, right? So Dale doesn't want to use his personal name to do business. He doesn't want to be Dale Daly, Dale Daly consulting. So he goes and he sets himself up as a DBA, which is uncommon sense consulting. So When you're going to conduct yourself as a business, you absolutely can use your name. You can just start doing business. If you're an athletic trainer and you want to just do it, you absolutely can. You can just use your name. But you don't have to. You can choose a separate brand and name to do it under that you can conduct yourself as without starting an LLC. That's essentially what a DBA affords you. So those are those who are best fit for a DBA, kind of as we've covered already, they'll they'll have a very low risk of liability. They typically do not have personal assets that need to be protected or if you're just getting started and you really just don't want to invest the time or the money or the energy to set up an LLC. I don't recommend this as I've discussed in previous episodes, but I I understand. You know, I've already shared my opinion about anyone who's offering healthcare related services, you know, but just in case you've missed it, like I unequivocally believe that you need to set yourself up as an LLC and so any of you in that position, I would not recommend doing a DBA However, this is completely your option and up to you. It's more my responsibility to tell you about what a DBA is and how to do that. So in my opinion, people that are kind of best suited for the DBA structure is like, maybe you're a young professional and you're doing balloon animals at a kid's birthday party. Like that's great. Set up a DBA to just do that on the side. Or even if you're like a mid-career worker and you're wanting to like sell stationery online, wonderful. Set it up under a DBA. You don't have to start an LLC for those. Again, if you want further clarification on that, go back to the previous episode. Now, LLC stands for a limited liability company. So this is the type of business entity that is going to provide its owners the liability protection against company actions or debts that's similar to a corporation. So this is the one that we've discussed in a previous episode. It's an entirely separate entity that you start and that you set up the way that the government views it is that it is a whole separate. The analogy I use is like a person that lives and breathes and exists completely separate of you. So This is, like I said, think of it as a completely separate person that the business is registered under. So when you file as a DBA, the other option that I just discussed, you're doing business for yourself, but under a different name. When you establish an LLC, you are creating an entirely separate business entity under its own name. So in both cases, you're operating business under a different name. In one case, you're just a person that is doing business under another name. In the other case, as in with an LLC, you're actually starting an, an entirely separate entity. So for example, let's say Alice Allison starts in-demand LLC. Alice wants to completely separate herself personally and create a separate business entity. She sets herself up as an LLC, in-demand LLC. So an LLC, as we've discussed prior, it provides its owners, which in an LLC setup is known as members. So it provides its owners, also known as members, with protection against the liability for the company obligations. So if your LLC can't pay its debts or it's unable to meet its obligations, only the business assets and not the members' personal assets are at risk in a lawsuit. That's a lot of what I covered in the previous episode about the distinction between separating risk for you as a person and risk within a business entity. So this is the reason why I recommend that anybody who is providing healthcare services, that they separate themselves, so their personal risk from their professional risk. Because there already is so much inherently kind of built in when we're working as a healthcare provider, that being able to separate that risk is a really, really beneficial option when starting a business. And an interesting little statistic here, a from a, according to a, a report that the Small Business Association did back in 2018, it said that 35% of small businesses were LLCs. And when I look at this, I'm like, wow, one-third. I I kind of thought that maybe there would be more. But two things to keep in mind here. One, small business is very broad. So small business is anywhere from zero to 50 million (laughs) in revenue, which is huge. That's a very, very broad range. So I would imagine that people who are in the multi-million They either have switched to S Corp or even potentially to C Corp status. And that may be why is cutting into the LLC formation. And the other thing is that DBA is still a popular option. So I don't know. I just kind of thought that was an interesting statistic. 35% of small businesses were LLCs. It obviously is still popular. It makes up more than a third, but I just I thought it would be more. And so As I've kind of previously mentioned, again, like I recommend conducting a complete audit of your risk in order to best determine what business entity type is is best for you. And also, you know, there are varied costs, there's varied amounts of management and there's and taxes associated with each business entity type. I have a full breakdown of that inside of our startup incubator course. And so, if you need more support or information on that, one, go back to the previous episode where I talk a lot more about the risk associated. But then, two, I do have a course available. Okay. So, the next step that you will need to take in order to Get this business started is to see if your name, the business name that you want is even available. So unlike naming like your dog or your kid, <laughs> the name that you choose for your business it it can't already be used it like directly in the line of services that you want to render. So let me give you an example of that. This example that i that I use all the time, I think that it just perfectly illustrates what I mean by this. So, There is Ford modeling and there is Ford motor cars, right? So it's not that the business name idea that you have can't already exist because there only is so many original ideas out there, but we can't have two different Ford motor cars. We can't have two different Ford modeling So when you're thinking about what you want your business name to be, there's going to be two main levels that you need to search your business name on, and then one additional step. So let's talk about that. Number one, the first place you should start is on your Secretary of State website. So every single state will have what's called a Secretary of State website. Just Google it, just say Secretary of State, and then type in the name of your state, And I will also put a link in the show notes here that is a link to every single Secretary of State website. So if you want to go to the show notes, it's available there for you too, but can also be found in a simple Google search. So you're going to type that in and that will often pull up a website that is mostly dedicated to businesses, but the Secretary of State is also responsible for other aspects. And pretty clearly or like, very easily to find is probably going to be a business name search, okay? This is one of the primary things that people use the Secretary of State website for. So it's usually front and center. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to the Secretary of State website, you're going to go to the business name search, and in that search, you're going to type in the exact spelling of the business name that you want, right? Okay, so here's what I mean by that the name of our business is Advantage. A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E. I have to type in those exact letters. I don't type in the actual word Advantage, A-D, because that's not the name of my business. I type in the actual name of my business. You're going to press search and it's going to tell you whether there are already people in your state that are conducting business under that name or not. Okay. So just because there's other businesses with that name or a very similar name, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do business under that name, but it typically is an indication that you want to consider something else. Okay. And the reason I say that is because you may run into issues. It Honestly, this varies state by state. A state like California, where there's 30 million people who live there, they're a lot more liberal in terms of multiple businesses can conduct themselves with a name that is similar to each other, whereas other states—I'll use like Utah, for example— they're very literal. If it has that exact spelling, you can't use it. So if you type it in and you search it and it's already being used, think through whether you want to pursue that or not. Okay. And then I'll tell you some other areas that you need to check. So that's just the first place. The first place that you need to check is the secretary of state website, I would also recommend checking surrounding states if you feel like you might end up doing business in those states as well. So we're based in California, we could have checked, you know, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, all of those. If you're down in the south, you might want to check, you know, the Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Um, That whole corridor, if you think you're going to be attracting customers through there. If you're up in the Northeast and you're kind of in that tri-state area, you might want to check all of them up there. Okay, so if you think that you might end up doing business in surrounding states just because of the geography of where you live, make sure you check those ones too. Okay, the next place that you want to check. So once you've verified that the business name that you want is available at the state level. Now we need to check the federal level, okay? So this is done through the US Patent and Trademark Office. I'll be I'll be discussing trademarks with more thoroughness in the next episode. You don't need to be thinking about am I going to trademark my name or not? That's not why we're searching this. What I'm discussing here is you need to make sure that there's no one else in any other state across the country that has already secured the business name that you want. So if someone else has already filed for a trademark with that name, no one else can use it in any state, regardless, okay? Again, this is specific to industry, so, like we said, Ford Motor Cars and Ford Modeling, they both exist. Those are both federal trademarks, but you have to check the trademark office. And I'll tell you a story why in a second. Okay. So, the same thing, you can type in USPTO, which is the US Patent and Trademark Office, into Google. I also have it linked here in the show notes. You're going to go to the business name search. And again, you are going to type in the exact wording that you want to use to see if there are any other people that are already using that name. Okay. Trademarks are filed in classes. So kind of like I said, you know, motor cars is a different class than modeling. I believe there's about 40 different classes and you can have a trademark in multiple classes. Okay. And I would say more than 20 of those classes are dedicated to like products and manufacturing and goods. So especially if you're thinking about being more of a service related industry, like ours as a staffing company, if there was an advantage, A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E that was already on the trademark and it was related to, you know, spark plugs, it would be fine, we could both exist. So it does get a little bit nuanced. And so if, if you run into some issues doing this search, you know, feel free to, to ping me and ask me questions related to it. But the point here is that you want to make sure that it's available federally we made this mistake when we first started. So the very first name of our staffing company was called the ATC Agency. I still love that name to this day. So I started the business as the ATC Agency. This was actually in 2011. So I had just finished my master's. I started this business, I was only a DBA at the time, I did not file as an LLC. And I had only registered with Orange County, which is the county that I was living in, in Southern California at the time. I had been conducting business under this name for probably nine to 10 months. And I had gotten a little bit of local press because I was working with the local small business agency. And they had done a write-up on me, and so I was in the newspapers, and I'm convinced that that's kind of what sparked all of this to happen, <laughs> but it was, it was definitely more of a, a blessing than anything. So at the end of 2011, I'd say maybe November, I received what's called a cease and desist order from the BOC. So a cease and desist is a very strongly worded letter from a lawyer <laughs> that is very scary to receive when you're 24 years old and you're just kind of like dabbling in this little business thing and you just think that you're cute and you know, <laughs> you're probably weighing over your head at that point. But so I had gotten a cease and desist order from a lawyer who represented the BOC informing me that I was infringing on their trademark of ATC. So ATC is a protected symbol is what it's called. So when you go to register a trademark, there's a few different things that you can register. For example, the Target logo, that like kind of bullseye is a symbol. So you can't use that somewhere else. And you also can't use like Target, right? So like the Nike is a registered trademark. And then the swoosh is a registered symbol. So ATC is a registered symbol. And they've owned that for years and years and years. And I was infringing on that. And so they sent me a very strongly worded letter that basically said, stop doing business or we will sue you for misuse of our trademark. (laughs) I think I cried. (laughs) was so scared. You know, as someone who was just kind of doing this business thing on the side, I honestly had no idea what I was doing, clearly. To receive a letter like that was pretty demoralizing and, you know, definitely a crossroads for me of, am I going to keep going or am I going to stop? Like, is this going to be the moment that keeps me where I'm at? And do you know what got me through? It was my why. (laughs) Guys, I bring it full circle, right? So yeah, it was my why, which was really about freedom for me. You know, that doing this freelance and this gig work, it allowed me the opportunity to practice in a way that I wanted and that I could also help and support others in the way that they wanted to too. So when I went back to my why what i realized was the name that is associated with the work that i'm doing is way less important than me actually doing this work so we changed the name my then boyfriend now husband is the one who came up with advantage and we've we trademarked that right away our trademark is february of 2012 and i use that technically as the quote unquote start date of our business even though i had kind of an entire year of business prior to that kind of under our belt, but it was under ATC agency. And, you know, it was kind of my, my beta, my beta year, if you will. So use me as your example of what not to do and make sure that you're checking for trademarks. Okay. The last place that you need to check, and this is a new one since I've started my business, but... Assuming that the name that you want is available in both of those places, so the Secretary of State website, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, you now need to search for social media handles (laughs) and website domains, okay? So there's a really cool website called Name Checker. It's just an R at the end, not an ER. Again, linked in the show notes if you want. And it actually searches all social channels and domains at once. Definitely recommend using that and also determining if like alternative spellings need to be secured or checked as well. So that's the last place that you need to look. So the, the kind of final decision that you need to make here is whether you kind of want to do all of this work yourself or whether you want to outsource it. So there are services online who they'll file your LLC for you. They'll do all of these searches for you. Um, And there's also like business consultants like us who have a course that provides you kind of the click-by-click instructions on how to do this. So for some of you, being able to outsource this might make the most sense depending on where you're at in your life, how much free time you have, what you've got going on. And for others of you taking the time to do this initial research and spend that time on your business at this stage is what makes the most sense. Both options exist. I just want to put that out there. Okay. Okay. Wanted to share a few kind of fun statistics with you that kind of just put business ownership into perspective. I think that when we think about business ownership or or more so when we think about venturing off in our career, whether that is going into a different setting, changing career paths, starting something new like a business, we kind of get a little bit self-conscious and we start to think, well, what does this say about me or how do I add up kind of quote-unquote statistically, if you will, compared to other people who do this. And so I really wanted to go and find this data and I think that you guys will find it so interesting. So first, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, startup founders tend to most often be in their 40s. I did not know that. I thought that was pretty interesting. And moreover, they are rarely in their 20s with most not starting to achieve success until their 30s. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking that it's too late, it isn't. You might just be right on time according to national statistics. And if you're in your 20s, That's fantastic. You have a lot of upside in front of you and you've got potentially a 20-year head start on some other people. And also, I just want to remind you, like entrepreneurship is not overnight success. It, in my experience, kind of follows a similar trajectory as our traditional career paths where it takes several years to develop and to build momentum So I don't want you to think about, you know, it's too early, it's too late, whether you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, earlier than that, later than that. These are just statistics to help kind of normalize where people typically are when they get started into business ownership. Okay, next one. According to an American Express report, an estimated 11.6 million U.S. business owners were at least 51% owned, operated, or controlled by women. So again, I was kind of surprised. I did not expect it to be that high of a number. So this does represent a growth of 114% in women-owned businesses in the last 20 years. However, it still only makes up for about 39% of total businesses in the U.S., So 11.6 million U.S. business owners makes up about 39% of business ownership in the U.S. that are are at least 51% women-owned, operated, or controlled. I think that we've, ladies, got, you know, a ways to go. No surprise to us. The one thing that I did want to say here is that that report also showed that of the 39% of businesses, they collected only 4.2% of total business revenue. So ladies, there is a lot of money up for grabs here. (laughs) Though we make up 39%, we're only collecting 4.2% of business revenue. Let's go get that bag, girls. Come on. Okay, next one. The business world remains white-dominated right? So a 2018 U.S. Census report found that just 5% of Black individuals in the U.S. were self-employed, compared to 9.6% for the overall population. And overall, white small business owners represented a 3.8% share of the U.S. labor force, compared to 2.5% for Asian, 1.6% 1.6% for Hispanic, and 1.1% for Black Americans. So all my people of color out there, the opportunity for you to create representation is there. Go tackle it. Okay, last one here. A 2017 CNBC Survey Monkey report found that just 44% of business owners achieve... At least a bachelor's degree. Pretty crazy, huh? Just 44% of business owners received, yeah, at least a bachelor's degree. So 26% received a bachelor's and 18% have a postgraduate degree. So combined, only 44% of business owners even have a four year degree, 18% have a master's degree. So, all of you athletic trainers, since we know we minimum have bachelors, many of you have masters, simply marketing your level of education, like the, like literally the lowest hanging fruit, the simplest thing that you could do will completely set you apart in the market for a lot of other businesses, more than 50%, right? Because only 44% of people have a bachelor's or less. All right. To close this out... When we discuss starting a business, we're looking beyond the idea phase. We're talking about the actual steps to go from concept to reality. And this will include choosing an entity type, selecting a name, and deciding whether you want to outsource or to save. With this, the athletic trainer specifically has a key opportunity in the entrepreneurship market, as most businesses do not start until people are in their 30s or 40s with majority of owners having a bachelor's degree or lower and a lot of upside for women and people of color. Knowing all this, you guys can save money by validating a business idea first while while setting yourself apart in the market with your education and providing a tangible and practical business model from the very beginning. Having all of these stressors navigated and solutions provided for allows the athletic trainer business owner to focus majority of their work on clinical execution, thereby increasing patient outcomes. Thank you for listening. You are now eligible to receive a Category A CEU. Head to advantageacademy.com. Find the title of this podcast as a course name and complete the quiz for your credit. As always, if you found this useful, please recommend it to peers or share about it on social media. Be sure to tag us at The Advantage. That's T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E.